section thirty seven of mrs diamond this is a librivox recording all librivox recordings are in the public domain for more information or to volunteer please visit LibriVox.org. mrs diamond by anne isabella thackeray ritchie book four chapter three three miles along the road with what sharp cheeks i in myself am shent when into reason's audit i do go and by just counts myself a bankrupt know of all those goods which heaven to me hath lent unable quite to pay even nature's rent which unto it by birthright i do owe sonnets when susy stepped out of the train and looked around she was struck by the change in the people standing all about the station they had strange grave scared faces they were more like english people than french people every woman was in mourning which added to the sadness of the place a cold east wind was blowing up the silent street and across the open place in front of the railway a man came to offer to carry her bag when she told him she wanted a carriage to take her to neuilly he shrugged his shoulders a carriage said he where am i to find a carriage the prussians have made cutlets of our horses susy looked round there were porters and trucks in plenty but not a carriage was to be seen it was a long weary tramp after a night spent in travelling but there was no help for it and after a minute's hesitation susy told the man to take up her bag she had walked farther in old days when she was coming and going and giving her music lessons the man trudged in silence it was a good three miles walk across the boulevards and by streets and shops some were open some were not yet reassured enough to let down their closed shutters one of the very first sights which met susy along the road was a dispirited straggling regiment marching into paris from the frontier torn shabby weary the mud-stained officers marching with the men these men were boys for the most part half-grown half-clothed dragging on with a dull and piteous look of hunger and fatigue while the piercing wind came whistling up the street they are disarmed that is why they look so cold said the porter stopping for a moment to look after them there is one who can keep up no longer as he spoke one of the poor fellows fell out of the ranks too much exhausted to go on any farther a halt was called and many of them sank down on the pavement just where they stopped the way seemed longer and longer more than once she was obliged to rest upon the benches along the road it was now about twelve o'clock the sun had come out bright though without warmth and it somewhat cheered the shivering city they reached the ark at last still swathed in its wooden shields susy thought of her last sunset drive and of the glories in which the stony heroes of the past had then brandished their spears here susy saw an empty carriage coming out of a side street and she told the porter to secure it the man thanked her for the money she put into his hand as she sank tired out into a corner of the coach the driver 
leant back upon his seat and seeing she was tired and prepared to pay began to make difficulties Villa du parc avenue de neuilly says the coachman you will not find any houses standing in the avenue de neuilly the prussians have taken care of that i will drive you if you like but you will have your course for nothing pray drive on said susy wearily i will tell you when to stop when i tell you that there are no houses left to drive to persists the coachman but i must be paid all the same whether the house is there or not yes of course you shall be paid said poor susy utterly tired frightened impatient scarcely knowing what to fear or to expect madame du letter had been dated from the villa but susanna's heart began to fail her as she drove on they drove past blackened walls by trees half destroyed and charred and breaking out into pale fresh green among the burnt and broken branches and by gardens all trampled and ravished susanna was almost too weary to think too sadly impressed to be frightened she seemed to herself to have gone through some great battle some long and desperate siege and now again when the victory had been so sorely won the enemy repulsed with such desperate resolution now that she was so tired so worn came a fresh assault more difficult to withstand than anything that had gone before should she see him again would he be there at home once more was he well of his wound was it max or her mother that she had come for she suddenly asked herself with an angry desperate effort mrs dymond absorbed in her own thoughts had driven past the house without seeing him and the coachman had stopped of his own accord in a sunny windy corner where three ruined streets divided from the broad avenue well says he i told you how it would be she looked blankly up and down the road she scarcely knew where she was then as she looked again she remembered once seeing du parc coming up one of these streets in his workman's blouse am i to turn up these roads am i to go on cries the coachman again stamping his wooden shoes upon the box to warm his feet i will get out follow me says susy suddenly remembering where they had come to and she sprang out and walked back along the avenue to the villa which was not far distant it seemed like a miracle to see the old green gates actually standing and the villa unaltered in the shaded garden the gates were splintered and half broken down the garden trampled over but the house was little changed and stood in the cold spring sunshine with no sign of the terrible wave of war which had passed over the village even the weathercock was safe glittering and quivering changefully for the east wind had gone round to some warmer quarter a sick woman propped up by pillows was sitting out in the garden a stout old lady was trotting backwards and forwards from the house with wraps and bottles and all that miserable paraphernalia of sickness how well one knows the look of it one could almost believe that pain and suffering and sleepless nights came in those bottles and round china pots nervous miseries brown studies blue devils pink yellow white decoctions there they all stand waiting to be taken at bedtime or dinner-time or whatever the proper time may be poor mary marney was looking wild and worn and strangely changed in these few months 
the wind blows chill she was saying querulously if only i could get into that patch of sunshine but i can't move i can't get there she cried suddenly breaking down la 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 says madame du parc extra noisy trying to be cheerful what is there to prevent you being in the sunshine ay adds madame if it was not for this rheumatic arm i could carry you there myself denise what are you about susy stood frozen in the gateway for a moment too shocked to move was this her mother this her busy hard-working mother thus changed thus terribly altered in so short a time while she paused mary looking up saw her daughter and gave a faint cry madame also looks up ah la bonne heure says the one cheerful unemotional person present you see she come at once and i was right cries the old lady rushing to the front and bestowing two hearty kisses on susy's pale cheeks all madame's preventions were gone susy was in her highest favour you are a good girl come she repeated pronouncing it as if it was one single word mamma my dear my dear susy whispered kneeling down by her mother's side for she could not stand i have come to fetch you i have come to make you well again mamma mamma she hardly knew what she said in her low tender whisper but mary saw her looks of love felt her warm panting breath and the quick beat of the pulses and asked no more madame took susy upstairs after a while the house had been used as an ambulance there were beds everywhere in the dining-room and the drawing-room most of the appliances of the ambulance had remained susy followed her hostess into one of the rooms it had been the little boy's nursery it was now full of empty iron bedsteads the old lady made her sit down on one of them as she told her not without kindness but plainly enough what the doctor had said he had declared mrs marney to be suffering from an aneurysm her very life depended on perfect calm and quiet calm quiet i ask you how that is to be procured and that vile husband oh i could tell her how deceived she is in him but she will not hear reason and madame in that peculiar voice in which people repeat scandal and bad news assured susy that marney was not far off he was comfortably established in the neighbourhood and absenting himself on purpose max had heard things in his ambulance a wounded man there had had dealings with marney we will go together says madame he will make inquiry when we are chased from this as my son declares will be the case your dear mother must not be abandoned i must go back have no rents nothing to depend upon here in the south max has a little farm which will keep us both i sent for you my poor child when i heard the doctor's terrible announce and we will arrange presently what we should do here is your old room the doctor of the ambulance has been living here you see nothing is new it is all the same there is something which appeals to most imaginations in places scarcely altered when those who inhabit them are so changed susy looked round as she sank wearily down upon the old creaking wooden bedstead how often before this had she cried herself to sleep upon it she looked at the whitewashed walls at the shadow of the window-bar travelling across the tiles then a curious shock reminded her of the difference of the now and of the time to which she had travelled back again 
she came down to find her mother impatiently waiting for her mrs marney had been carried into the sitting-room and susy's hope sank afresh as she looked at the changed face turned to the door and expecting her so eagerly one little crisp familiar wave of curly hair beneath her cap seemed the only thing which remained of susy's mother as she had been but a few weeks ago poor mrs marney was worn by many sorrows and anxieties besides her illness of marney she knew scarcely anything and that was the chief of her many pains oh susy i would not trouble you with my troubles she said but i have gone through more than i could bear after the first weeks at avignon he scarcely wrote he scarcely gave one sign and i knew not what to fear i have been mad to see him madame has said cruel things which i seem to have no strength to hear i wrote to him when i first came here and now i hear nothing i know nothing susy turned scarlet but she soothed her mother again with many gentle words and caresses End of section thirty seven